This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hales. I'm host of the Finding Holy podcast and author of the book Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of Too Much. I am thrilled for this special series through the month of November, where I'm going to sit down with some of my friends, Brandon O'Brien, Danae Pierre, and Jose Humphreys, to talk about the theme of place. And whether you live in the suburbs, whether you live in Manhattan or rural America or small town, We want to actually consider how do our places shape our desires? How do the laws and the history and even our winding walking paths shape how we relate to God, each other, and the world around us? So to kick us off, I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with my friend, Brandon J. O'Brien. Brandon became a friend as we started actually talking on Twitter about place and belonging. He has a PhD from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and is the Director of Content Development and Distribution for Redeemer City to City, which is an organization that supports church planting in global cities. He's the author of several books, the most recent of which is Not From Around Here, What Unites Us, What Divides Us, and How We Can Move Forward that was just recently published by Moody Publishers. And he lives with his wife, Amy, and two children in uptown Manhattan. Listen into the conversation. It's sure to pique your curiosity for what follows for our conversations through the month of November. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And even just pause real fast and head on over to aahales.com slash giveaway so that you can win Brandon's book. Here's my opening conversation with Brandon. I'm really excited to welcome Brandon O'Brien to the podcast because he and I are going to be kicking off four weeks, a little November mini-series to help us think about how our places shape our faith and how our faith shapes our places. So welcome, Brandon. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so great. It's such a fun conversation that we have planned for these four weeks. So tell us how this idea of place really hit home for you, particularly with your new book that just came out from Moody Publishers. And we're giving away a bunch, so stay tuned till the end, and we'll make sure you find out all the details about how to get one of those. But tell us a little bit about your book, Not From Around Here. Yeah, thanks. So the... um the the book is uh, about half or so um, kind of a personal storytelling about my experience having grown up in uh, small town Arkansas, moved uh, as an adult after college to um, the Wheaton uh, Wheaton area, which is a suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, spent about eight years in the Chicagoland area, uh, moved briefly back to Arkansas, and now I'm living in Manhattan with my family. The sort of meta theme is the urban rural divide and how mm-hmm. that plays out in Christian circles. But the, um, the approach is storytelling about how I realized how much these different places that I lived was how, how those places were exerting 
uh, pressure and sort of formative power on me mm-hmm. as a Christian, um, mm-hmm. kind of changing my understanding of what discipleship um, meant and what it meant to be a faithful Christian in those different places was slightly different. Um, and I had always attributed that either to theology or culture or whatever, and just realizing how much those geographical places mm-hmm. influence things was, uh, it was eye-opening for me to recognize right. the kind of the force uh, that place exerts on us. Can you help us just unpack a little bit what maybe some of those formative shaping characteristics of maybe one of your places has been? Yeah. Maybe, you know, your recent move to Manhattan in the last few years or? Yeah, so I think the the easiest one maybe the, the, the two most, <laughs> the two places that are most dramatically different are, you know, my hometown of Bentonville, Ar- Arkansas, which is mm-hmm. home of Walmart. So yeah. people, you know, that's the, the claim to fame. Mm-hmm. And um, Walmart, uh, Bentonville is a really cool place now, but I always want to clarify that it was not the cool place that it is now <laughs> when right. I graduated from high school. So, um, so it's a very small place. Uh, and so that and Manhattan are probably the two most different places, you know, that I've right. lived. And, um, when we lived in in Arkansas, there was this sort of strong feeling uh, that Christian um, discipleship involved, you know, kind of resisting the culture, and that there right. were these evil influences that were trying to you know, kind of brainwash us and and lead us away from the truth, etc. Mm-hmm. And so, a, a lot of our Christian formation discipleship was cast in those terms. So we don't listen to certain music, and we, you know, we don't wear certain things, and you know, it's a lot of resistance. Um, and I always felt like that was just good, you know, Christianity. Right. Uh, but then you realize that it's actually kind of a feature of the broader culture. And so right. there's this sense that like the government is, which is far away and external is kind of imposing laws that threaten our local values. And that there's a sense of, uh, you know, that our life here is the good life and it's the way, the kind of traditional way that people have always lived in those sort of, uh, East coast elite liberals are trying to destroy our mm-hmm. way of life. And so then you realize that the way we're talking about our faith is this is very similar to the way we're talking about um, other broader cultural issues. Right. And so you realize that it's not just, I'm not talking this way just because I'm a Christian. I'm talking this way because I'm a small town, Southern, right. rural, you know, the, and all those adjectives mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. make a big difference. Right. And then, living in Manhattan, you can't resist the culture. It's, you know, the, the city is a, it's like it's a, it's its own character, uh, you know, and you have to deal with it. Yeah. And so you can't resist, you have to engage. And um, the way you do that is very different. And so a sort of sign of faithful discipleship in a small town place may be resistance, whereas a sign of faithful discipleship in Manhattan is engagement. Mm. And, and so, but then you realize that you have these habits <laughs> that your place from before has kind of instilled certain habits right. and habits unnatural to switch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm certainly still working out what it means to be a faithful Christian in a, in a place like New York city, because it's um, the rules of engagement are so different. Right. Um, and, uh, and there's not one way to do it, you know, different people do it differently, but, uh, but you certainly can't just resist and ignore because mm-hmm. that's impossible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how do you engage faithfully uh, when you don't really have any other option? Right question that we're asking now Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah I think you know and then at the same time I feel like I've painted maybe small town Arkansas in a negative light there but you also realize that those places shape what you love and value and in different 
really profound ways. And so even mm-hmm. you know, the, like I feel at peace on water where it's quiet and I feel mm-hmm. uh, sometimes harried or tense when there's lots of noise and lots of activity and some of that's temperament, but some of it's also that, you know, my experience, my happy place growing up was always on the water and right. that shapes uh, rhythms in your heart and things. And then, you know, and when those things aren't available in a new place, you feel it. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I think it's very much in the season of ex- exploration um, about how those places function. And the thing that the book tries to tease out is that, you know, we often, we may view people who have different uh, opinions about how to engage culture, for example, as Christians, mm-hmm. as being either more or less faithful. So if mm-hmm. I think it's best to resist culture and you think it's best to engage, I may think you're being, you know, you're compromising or something. Right. Uh, when we don't realize that actually our places are what are leading us to those convictions, mm-hmm. at least as much, if not more, than our Christian worldview. Right. Uh, right. And right. hopefully we cut each other some slack, you know, in the in that process right. and realize we're all shaped uh, by forces other than just our the Bible and right. our convictions. Right. And, uh, that we live that- like deeply embedded lives, right? And so <laughs> We can't just sort out the elements and isolate them. They all factor in together. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? um, I'd love for us to just chat for a second about this kind of category of place and why we think it might be important for the church to consider in ways that it hasn't done before. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about one reason is that um, I think Christians in America have a tendency to externalize problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the issue is those, those other people over there, um, <laughs> over there, or these, poli- those political forces or those cultural forces mm-hmm. or whatever. And we live in an age where, especially in social media and things, the, the, the ideological entrenchment makes it, it reinforces that idea of externalizing, right? right. Like I can't, I'm not to blame and my tribe is not to blame. It's right. those people there. I think once you start re- recognizing how your places affect you, I think that you ha- you ha- are forced to stop externalizing exclusively and start right. like looking at yourself and realizing, oh my goodness, there are all these these forces that I think are strictly out there are actually shaping me inside, mm-hmm. um, and they're sort of they're shaping my response to the world in ways that I didn't realize. Um, and they're making certain things impossible to me. You know, my my place limits the my mm-hmm. experience, my mm-hmm. exposure to things, um, and it also gives me special insights into other things that other people can't see. Right. Um, and if we always keep that external, then it's um, you know we can't really be formed. If we bring it in to and recognize mm-hmm. it in our hearts, we can we can repent of it, we can wrestle with it, we can let the gospel change it, we can you know. But mm-hmm. if it's always external, then we're just going to fight about it. Right. And so I, uh, if we don't recognize the, that place is one of those big factors that's exerting a force on us, mm-hmm. and it's, um, then we can't ever deal with it. Right. And, uh, and I think it's more serious than, than uh, American Christians at least have usually recognized. Right. Yeah. And so it's always going to 
affect us and we're never going to notice it until we just we're decide actually to notice it. <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So part, right. Part of the narrative of scripture is, has to do with place and to say, you know, that God is our homemaking God, that he you know, created home for Adam and Eve and that sin twisted that. And yet, you know, that Jesus was incarnated in an actual body in an actual place. And, you know, that I think we have the tendency, right, even now to kind of disembody our faith. And that means it's displaced too, um, mm-hmm. rather than even connecting to some of those metaphors and actual physical places in scripture. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. There's a lot to <laughs> there's right. a lot to think about there. That's I, uh, another book that I'm not going to write, but <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, maybe you need a co-author. Let's, uh, let's yeah, there we that. go. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I think yeah, I think it's right, and I think that there. On the one hand, I think that there's some biblical warrant for for you know the the Old Testament is very focused on one particular land, right? And then the New Testament, you know the the people of God are, and the promises of God are no longer bound to a specific geographical right. place. Right. Right. And, but I think that that doesn't mean that, that Christians live in some abstract right. world of ideas. They actually live in places. Right. So you see Paul preaching in different places and mm-hmm. writing in different places. And he's, mm-hmm. he's focusing on local issues and he's encouraging people to live practically concretely yep. as Christians where they live. Right. So, mm-hmm. On the one hand, I think, you know, there's some, somebody might say, yeah, but the, but Christianity is not bound to a place. And I think, well, strictly speaking, it's not bound to one place, but like each individual Christian is bound to a place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, body, not, right? Right, we're not yeah. floating off. Or <laughs> exactly. But we yeah. do have a tendency to abstract uh, our Christian faith mm-hmm. and, we, and even our teaching and our, and other things, you know, we talk about general Christian concepts mm-hmm. um, instead of talking about how do I live faithfully outside the door of my house Actual or apartment. House. Mm-hmm. And, um, which is what I really appreciate about your book is bringing, saying, you know, there are unique pressures and challenges and, and mm-hmm. things in, in suburban places. And so let's talk about those specific challenges and what to do about it rather than just saying, you know, Christians ought to be praying. Christians ought to be, right. which is true but it's abstract right Right. and then we're not going to actually do it i feel like the more abstract our language and our talk of discipleship and christian formation is we don't actually do it (laughs) that's exactly right and we have so much conversation digitally i think and maybe and so we think yeah i'm really engaged with uh, people because I talk to them on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. You your neighbor across the hall or, exactly, the, yeah. or the super in your building or the whatever, you know. And so I, I think the, yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. pressure culturally to continue to abstract and to try to be kind of a citizen of the world or something mm-hmm. instead of really a resident where you Yeah, are. that's good. Uh, yeah. And so I think you're right that the, I, I even think it's interesting in the life of Jesus, the, um, there are stereotypes attached to him, you know, in the book of John when he's mm-hmm. from Nazareth and somebody says, you know, can anything good come from Nazareth? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's immediate kind of, um, the, the, the people who knew Jesus right. were locating him in concrete right. geographical places. And that made a difference mm-hmm. uh, in his life and ministry. And so I think that, um, yeah, if you read carefully, you see the, um, that physical, embodied um, 
enculturated faith is what the scriptures are calling us to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we often try, try to pull those out to find the universal truth and we never get it back into our right yeah our actual life you know yeah Um, yeah i think that's so true so tell me um you know if if someone's listening and they're thinking okay this is amazing okay or this is great or i hadn't really thought about place very much i just kind of you know go to work and i come home and i you know hang out with my kids and you know whatever it is what are maybe some small starting points that we could think about to begin to connect the dots, right, between ideas of place and theology and spiritual formation and, you know, our actual existence that often looks a little bit more ordinary? Yeah, great questions. Well, obviously, I highly recommend that you buy our books, you know. That <laughs> there you go. Great yeah. You'll solve um, all your problems. <laughs> <laughs> and if that one doesn't, then surely the next book, you know, will help even more. Um, yeah. So, but no, I think that, um, I think one thing is, you know, there, sometimes there's like, there's positive practices and negative practices, right? You know, I think one right. kind of negative practice might be, I think, uh, you know, we, we do social media fast and other things as mental health, uh, mm-hmm care you know mm-hmm. sometimes but i think it also can help you just if you put a curfew on your phone or your mm-hmm. computer or something and are then forced to just like pay attention to your physical surroundings mm-hmm. that might actually be a start um, right to say you know how how am i um how how might i engage differently mm-hmm. if my primary engagement is physical and not digital All right um and so that's one. And then I think even sort of reflecting on, this is hard to do if you haven't lived different kinds of places, but mm-hmm. we went from sort of a suburban uh, small house on a busy street with a small backyard to a big house in small town, Arkansas, in a cul-de-sac with a big lawn mm-hmm. to an apartment in Manhattan. And so by comparison, it's easy for me to look back and say, even just the physical space of like, being in a house with a yard, but being able to hear street noise mm-hmm. gives me a different connection to my town than when I lived on a cul-de-sac and lived in a house with a yard and there was no street right. noise. Right. And so even like one of my neighbors when we moved in said, the great thing about living on a cul-de-sac is you know who belongs here and who doesn't. <laughs> and so, you know, so you see a car you don't recognize and you're right. like, hang on, and I know all my, you know. So right. I never really thought about safety in the suburbs because all the cars were strange and I was used to that. But then right. suddenly on my cul-de-sac, when I would see strange cars, I think, Hey, what's going on here? Right. Um, and so I think if you can kind of reflect on like, how does the, the way I live, like is my living room at the back of the house away from the street? So I'm totally secluded. I don't know what my neighbors are doing. I don't see their cars cause they're in the garage. I don't interact because they're, you know, it's like, how, how is that shaping your sense of what's right. normal and, appropriate and yeah and yeah and what's fearful and you know you know how much are we moving towards or moving away i think are good questions to ask and you know i was also thinking one kind of positive practice might be to change your mode of transportation for a little bit so you know if you're commuting in a car where you're able to choose everything at your disposal that shapes you in a different way than you know you commuting on the subway in new york city when you're kind of jostling up against all different types of people. So that might be right. Just to, or even to say like, Hey, you know, I'm going to choose to take a walk or a bike ride or, you know, to slow myself down from all of these, you know, forms of transportation that actually 
change and shape my spirituality. Yeah, exactly. And I think it, it helps you too to have a, a deeper sense of uh, empathy for people who mm. live a different sort of way. And so, mm-hmm. so we sometimes take the bus in the city in New York uh, in the summer, especially because it has great air conditioning and mm-hmm. most of it doesn't. Um, but it takes twice as long to get anywhere by bus mm-hmm. to go by subway or whatever. So, but one of the things that is interesting is like when I got on the bus and noticed these people are going, you know, these other people are going to work. It's going to be an hour bus ride for them both ways. Mm-hmm. That's two mm-hmm. hours of commuting. And, you know, and some of these demographics are ones that I had sort of been, you know, socialized to think that they're maybe lazy or they're not trying to get ahead in the world. And I think, yeah, but they're going to spend two and a half hours commuting mm-hmm. on a bus and then they're going to help their kids with their homework. And then they're going to do like, it would be hard to get a promotion. It'd be hard right. to change jobs. It would be hard to apply for, you know, this or that, you know, kind of advancement opportunity. And so even just putting you in that space helps you see some of the things that I think are normal are actually a, a privilege for me right. or that's actually an advantage. And I hadn't mm-hmm. thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, yeah, changing something as simple as how you get from one place to the next can help you see all kinds of things that you mm-hmm. never recognize uh, if you stayed in your routine. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great practice. Yeah. So what are your hopes, Brandon, as we go about these four weeks, both for us as we're conversing with our two amazing guests, Danae Pierre and Jose Humphreys, but also, you know, for us as listeners, and we're going to also have a large giveaway of a bunch of books. Thank you, University Press, and thank you, Moody Publishers. Yeah, well, for myself, I'm selfishly very excited about this because I learn something every time I talk to Jose and Danae. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, and there are people who have both, um, long before I did, recognized the impact that places have and the way that they can be intentional about impacting right. their places, you know, for the gospel in meaningful ways. Yes. So that's exciting. I I, yeah, and I'm excited just because they've chosen to stay put and to dig into their places, both in East yeah. Harlem and in Phoenix. And I think that's so hard and so beautiful, that call of faithfulness. And so I'm excited to learn from them. Yes. So I think I, I'm, I'm hopeful that people will be receptive and, and, uh, and hear that. And um, I hope that people who are listening will um, at the very minimum, like kind of catch a vision that this is a topic worth giving time and attention to. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's one of those things like um, if I want to be a faithful Christian, there are three or four things I have to prioritize. And I hope that this becomes Hmm. One of the things that people say, I've got to really pay attention to mm-hmm. where I live and how that influences me. And then how do I respond to what I learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that that could be, um, I think it can help us be uh, more empathetic to other Christians. Yeah. Recognize that, you know, we're all in a similar place. I think it can help us be more uh, attentive on mission as Christians, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our places. Um and so, yeah, I think that if that if that kind of minimal thing uh, is possible for people, I think it could be a really huge benefit. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a great starting point too, is just how can I be attentive to my place is a yeah. great question to kind of take away to begin and then maybe bring someone else in, send them a link to the podcast, um, win a free book, so many different ways to kind of kick off those conversations. I think that's really 
fabulous. It's a good start. So lastly, as we conclude, Brandon, because I ask everybody, I want to know what your laundry routine is. That's a great question. Yeah. So we live in an apartment in Manhattan on the third floor. We have laundry in the building in the basement. This sounds like really sexist or something, but my wife uh, takes care of the laundry now that both of the kids are in school. And, yeah. uh, but we, uh, we have we have to plan ahead because there's the six floors worth of people and only four right. machines. And um, so early morning on a weekday, we have the place to ourselves. Early morning on like a Saturday, we have the place to ourselves. So those are our, our moments to get into the laundry room without, right. uh, you know, without having to wait for a long time. And um, so, so yeah, we just try to hit it early and try to not get behind. But right. That's kind of tricky, yeah, to not get behind. There's always abandoned socks and dirty things. <laughs> Everything except for that one shirt you really needed, right? That's right. The, that's the yes, routine. yes. But, I, you know, I love that because part of your laundry routine, right, just re- reckons with how your life is very different, right, than mine here in suburban Southern California where part of your laundry means interacting with bunches of people because you live in such close proximity to people. That's right. Yeah. It's one of the many ways that we are not the masters of our mm-hmm. universe in New York. And mm-hmm. uh, that's a disciplining experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the nice way to say it. <laughs> yes. It's very sanctifying, right? To realize that you, yes, that you are actually not in control of your life. And I think our places show us that. And the more that we, you know, the more that we, I think that's really some of why I really wanted to write Finding Holy in the Suburbs is because, you know, our privilege, our wealth, so many things can actually insulate us from the changing power of the gospel and from other people. And so how do we fight against that, you know, but also um, move forward in love? You know, what I'm really struck by too, Brandon, is just the way that talking about our places can help us create conversations and empathy, like you've said a few times, across some of those kind of polarized conversations that we're having, particularly in America in the last several years about, well, these people from this place are like this way. So I'm hopeful too that even just as we talk these next four weeks about place, that we'll begin to move towards people and to understand them that might be different than us. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I share that hope. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for starting these conversations off with me, and I can't wait to see what happens over the next four weeks. Listeners, make sure that you head on over right now to aahales.com slash giveaway, where you can be entered to win copies of my book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, or Brandon's book, Not From Around Here, as well as books from Jose Humphreys, one of our guests, Seeing Jesus in East Harlem. So, It's been such a pleasure, Brandon, and can't wait to see what happens the next four weeks. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brandon J. O'Brien. You'll find in the show notes all of the links you can click on over to his website. You can also order his book, Not From Around Here. And be sure to head on over to the link in the show notes, aahales.com slash giveaway to be entered to win one of several books. So that's an easy, small step. But as you go, I would love to leave you with one small practical step you can take in your everyday life to consider about how you can be a good neighbor rather than kind of a disembodied citizen of the world that Brandon mentioned. And it's this. 
Think of one habit maybe that you could take off and one habit that you could put on. And so as you think about what you could take off so that you aren't simply this disembodied abstract person, but actually an enfleshed, embodied, and emplaced person, it might be wise to look at your phone, see how much time you're spending online, look at your social media limits, and maybe think about taking a fast from some of our digital connectiveness that really lies to us, that says that we're connected and we're thinking these things and that we have community, but often we don't actually have real embodied community in our churches, in our neighborhoods, and even in our homes. So that might be one thing you want to put off. And the second is something to put on. And I just challenged you to simply take some time to think about changing your mode of transportation for a week. So you might choose to take a bus like Brandon did, or a subway, or just choose to take a neighborly walk in your suburban community simply slow down. Maybe it's walking or bicycle riding. When we choose to see the world at a different pace, we can actually begin to think about the world from someone else's perspective, as well as what God might be doing in our own hearts, in our own lives, in the lives of our communities and places. So I would love to hear how it goes. Make sure you subscribe, share this episode, tell your friends. They'll want to be sure to win a book. So don't forget to head over to aahales.com slash giveaway as soon as you can. And be sure to tune in to our next week's conversation with Danae Pierre. And then the week after that, we'll be talking with Jose Humphreys. And then the last week in November, Brandon and I will be wrapping us up to talk about how our places form our loves and where we go from here. Because place matters. Big things matter. But so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.